almost 22 years ago to the day, on a warm Friday night, the Pinewood Panthers of Somerville, South Carolina, took the field. Uh, with their new uniforms and their new head coach, things looked quite promising. However, the first game of the season would go up against the previous year's state championship runner-up, the Williamsburg Stallions. In the second quarter of the game, the Williamsburg Stallions reminded the Pinewood Panthers why they were a good football program by going up 28-0 to just with a few minutes left to spare in the second quarter. But when the Panther fans thought it couldn't have gotten any worse, their starting quarterback goes down with a game-ending injury. The crowd obviously was there standing in anxiety, asking who's going to take Ross's place. That was the starting quarterback. The head coach then looked around and raised his voice a few times, which caught my attention. Blake, where's Blake? I immediately walked up to the coach and said, yes, coach, did you call my name? He said, yes, you're in. And I'm not joking with you. I believe I responded, I'm in what? <laughs> you're in the game, son. Get in there. You're playing QB now. So at 14 years old, I was about to take my first snap in a varsity football game. So this is like the perfect movie scene, right? Sunshine's going to come in, save the day, win the game, crowd goes wild, win the state championship in the end, all will be well. Well, the second play under center, I was sacked in the end zone for a safety. My freshman year on that team, we had a depressing record of three and seven. I guess my welcome to high school football introduction was a rude one. Later in the game, though, I did throw my first high school football touchdown, and yet we still lost from a 30-point spread beatdown that they gave us that night. As painful as that Friday night was, it would actually change the course of the rest of my career in high school. Uh, we moved back to Georgia, where I went to a very good high school football program that is still very good today in Savannah, Georgia, Calvary Baptist Day School, and uh, played quarterback the rest of my life there, or the rest of my high school years there. And, uh, but as I look back on those days, even now at 36, that first game where I got thrown into there as a freshman quarterback, stands out as one of the most memorable games I would have ever played in high school. You see, I had to face a challenge that night that I didn't know I was going to have to face. I faced a transition that whether I was ready for it or not, I had to walk through it. In sports, you're going to face big challenges and you're going to face unexpected transitions even this fall, there's going to be injuries that may happen on this football program that you didn't see coming. Weather conditions that aren't optimal for a quarterback or a receiver to play in. There might even be bad decisions that coaches or players make that you wish you could take back. But there's also going to be many challenges and transitions in life, in ministry, in school, in your family, in virtually every season of your life that most of the time, you're not going to see it coming. At least not everything that's going to come. And you might be here tonight and you find yourself in the middle of a challenging transition yourself. Maybe the first couple of weeks of school have been pretty rough for you. Classes are harder, teachers are stricter, and you're overwhelmed by the workload. Or you could be anxious about this football season. 
wondering if you'll ever get the playing time that you've been preparing for all offseason. Or you seniors, you might be getting fearful about what's, what's life going to be like after high school. Am I going to go to this college or that college? Am I going to go to college at all? Am I going to get this job in this town? Or am I going to go in the military? What is God's plan for me? Uh, Some of you might be in a really difficult family situation. Your mom and dad are getting a divorce. And if you're honest, you're deeply angry at your parents. Maybe you're even angry at God. Or maybe you've lost a loved one in death, and you don't really know how you're going to live life without that loved one around anymore. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering whether or not you should become a Christian. The last couple of months, maybe even a couple of years, you've been pushing God away, but you sense the Lord drawing you to himself and you're wondering, man, I don't know if this faith thing is for me. It's kind of scary. Or maybe you are a Christian and you might be asking if it's worth it to keep following Jesus for the rest of your life. Is following Jesus worth all the pain, heartache, and opposition that will come if you obey King Jesus? Tonight, I want to pose two questions to you, and I want to give one verse that you can meditate on. Here are those questions. Question number one, when God brings challenges and overwhelming transitions in your life, how do you respond? When God brings challenges, overwhelming ones, transitions you didn't see coming, the the chapter in the book's turning whether you like it or not, how do you respond? And question number two, what type of role models should you look up to in order to persevere in following Jesus? What type of role models should you look up to to persevere in following Jesus. The verse I want you to think about tonight, so if you've got a Bible app on your phone, or you can write it down, or you have a good memory, is Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. It says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let me say that again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So think about that first question. When God brings challenges and unexpected transitions into your life, how do you respond? You see, the writer of Hebrews, if you've never read the book of Hebrews before, This is really what it is in summary, like fashion. The writer here is encouraging Christians in the first century that were being tempted to really quit on Jesus, throw away their Christian faith altogether. Most of them were probably saved out of a Jewish background, and they were experiencing all sorts of oppositions since they became a Christian. They faced things like this, theft. Some of them were run out of their own homes and forced to flee. Some were physically beaten and killed. Some were publicly shamed and mocked, others thrown in prison. Friends, the question that the writer of Hebrews poses is the same question we have to answer tonight. If that is possible for anyone who follows Jesus, 
is it worth it to follow him? So the writer of Hebrews spends 13 chapters making an argument, persuading these Christians not to throw away their faith, but to keep looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. You see, in summary, this book is reminding us that the biggest problems we're going to face in this life aren't football games you lose or positions you lose. It's not about transitions in school or jobs or even hard things that may happen to us like sickness, suffering, and death. Those are all real challenges. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us that our biggest problem, first and foremost, is that we have all sinned against a holy God who is our creator and our judge. And friends, one day, we're all going to give an account for our life. We won't be crowded around like this as a team. We will each individually give an account of our life to our maker. And we're going to be held account to how we lived, what we said, what we even thought about. A perfect God, a pure, all-knowing God will see everything that you have ever done in your whole life. Friend, if you know yourself to be guilty before a God, you know that you've broken God's commands. That's a horrifying thought. But he reminds us in the book of Hebrews that Christ Jesus, Jesus himself, God's son, is to be number one in our lives because he took on the biggest challenge we could ever go up against, and that is the judgment of God for our sin. Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life on a cross to take on the punishment of sin that we have committed. He took it upon himself so that God's wrath would be appeased and turned his justice and righteousness against us so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be reconciled, that we might be at peace with God. And friends, this is something we can't do on our own. Being a good person will not make you right with God. Doing a few good things more than you did last week won't make you right. You have to be perfect. And if you were to be honest with yourself, even just today, you know you haven't even lived up to your own standards. See, Christ stood in our place as a substitute so that we could be made right with God. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And this is something Christians celebrate every Sunday, not just once a year Easter, but every Sunday when Christians gather in Christ's name, it is Resurrection Sunday regardless of what month it is. And we declare Jesus is Lord because he has risen from the dead. And friend, if you recognize yourself as a sinner in need of a savior, the Bible commands you to turn from your sins and trust in him by faith. Stop ignoring God. Stop caring more about what your friends think more than what God thinks. Look to Jesus. He is the only one that can turn the righteous anger and wrath of God away from you against your sin because he took it on for you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be given eternal life. You'll be made one of his sons in his kingdom. And it's something that only can be received by faith. This word I just gave you, this good news, is called the gospel. That's what it is. It's what God has done for us and not anything we could do for ourselves. And so if tonight, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself, It's not the faith of your parents that will save you or the faith of your grandparents or the fact you attend church on Sunday will save you. You individually have to look at Jesus and acknowledge and receive him as number one 
You have to make that choice. I would encourage you not to cast that off. Which leads to our second question. What type of role models then should we look up to in order to persevere in following Jesus? In other words, what type of men, I'm speaking to largely a group of men and also some ladies here in the room as well, but specifically to you young men, what type of men should you be looking up to in your life right now? You all do. I was once 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Who do you look up to? Why do you look up to them? What about them is impressive to you? Friend, if tonight, if I could plead with you about the type of role model you want to look up to, it's this. You want to find men who know God, who know the word of God, and men who aim to follow Jesus the rest of their life. You want to find men who know God, who know God's word, and men who aim to follow Jesus the rest of their lives. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these discouraged and persecuted Christians. Remember your leaders. And who were those leaders? Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. In other words, look at how they've lived. Look at how they've laid it all down for him. And then he says, imitate their faith. Uh, so you might say, well, Blake, how did you get from a freshman quarterback that kind of bombed the season, three and seven in a safety, and that sounds pretty rough. Well, one of the things my dad, who was a high school football coach, would often tell me, he said, son, you're not going to become a good quarterback unless you get your eyes on one. So ironically, one of the quarterbacks I looked up to is actually still playing. I mean, hashtag Tom Brady in his 40s, still getting Super Bowl wins. But he was in his like way prime, but he's probably better now than he was when I was in high school. Anyway, looking up to quarterbacks who are good. It's not just guys that can throw the ball well, but how they lead the team. When you throw an interception, is your head down? Is your head up? Your morale, your attitude, find a quarterback that he's the same guy on the practice field than he is on the game field. The same guy in the locker room that he is in the chapel. The guy that basically walks the walk and talks the talk. And if he's good at the game, learn from him. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Look at those who actually, by God's grace, live out their faith and imitate it, copycat it, become like them. That means you and I should want to be like a man or a group of men that will lead you spiritually in what it means to follow Jesus. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. You should want to see a man or a group of men speak God's word to you and help you apply it to your life. You should aspire to be like a man or a group of men that not perfectly, but intentionally desires to be more like Jesus and less like the prideful folly of this world. If you're a member of a local church, so raise your hand if you actively attend a local church anywhere. So maybe half the room, maybe three quarters of the room. If you do belong to a church, I want to encourage you to go to the leadership in your church. They are there by design to help you grow and become more like Jesus. That's what a pastor is called to do. That's what a lay leader who teaches the word of God is called to do. Talk to them. Ask them questions, doubts you have. One of the things we try to do here at CCBC is don't keep your doubts to yourself. Ask questions. If you're struggling, 
if you're living in sin, this should be a safe place to open up about it. Friends, that's what, that's what God has given the local church for us to have. It's like a spiritual home for our souls. And if you don't have a local church you belong to, or maybe your family is considering, I'm not sure whether I should stay at this church, maybe consider another one, you're more than welcome to come visit here. Uh, we love having visitors. We, are, we address visitors in the congregation. We obviously acknowledge unbelievers will gather with us. But if you want to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus with the membership here at CCBC, you can come talk to me. Uh, you can get on the internet and type in our website to learn more about it. You can spend time with some of our staff. Uh, you can also fill out that welcome information card. There should be one sitting on the table. You don't have to, but if you'd like for us to follow back up with you, uh, anyway, just put your email or your phone number, whatever you have, and we will get back with you. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are all like sheep who've gone astray each to our own way. And yet Christ, the Lamb of God, came to take away the sin of the world for aimless and lost sheep as ourselves. Father, you've given us a perfect under-shepherd in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief good and great shepherd of our souls, and we rejoice that you have not left us to ourselves. And yet, Lord, you've also provided to us leaders, godly men in the local church, godly women caring for others in the local church who speak the word of God. Lord, you have so designed our lives not to be left alone in isolated islands, trying to figure out life by ourselves. Lord, we pray that each young man and each lady here tonight would consider what it will look like on the day of judgment where they will stand before you and to consider what Christ in his great love has done for them. And Lord, we also pray that each follower of Jesus in this building tonight would not try to live the Christian life all on their own. Lord, we pray that they would think carefully about the leaders they're sitting under, the teaching they're receiving, the examples that they're setting. Lord, we pray that you would guide each and every follower of Christ in this room tonight to green pastures, to churches and spiritual families that can help them grow up. And Lord, we pray here at CCBC for the leaders that are set apart as elders and pastors, uh, for the ladies who equip and teach other women and young children, uh, Lord, we do pray that you would cause us to be men and women who are worth imitating. Scripture tells us, Lord, we are to imitate those who are ultimately imitating Christ. Lord, cause each and every one of us to think about that carefully tonight. We thank you for these young men. We thank you for these coaches. Lord, we pray for the Greenwood football school system and this football team that they would redeem the time, that they would use it well. They would not waste the life you've given them. Lord, we also pray that your word would be on their lips, even in the midst of football and school and life, that Christ would be their greatest treasure. In Jesus' name, amen.